0: Last time on Stone Cold Mysteries.
1: This girl looking very upset and pale. She started rambling about how she saw a man die. She said she thought she saw someone push him. He was
0: strangled by these ropes that he fell into. Are you saying that this is a case of suicide?
2: No, no, Uh, the death is all wrong for that. How tall do you think this man was?
0: He looked a little on the short side for a grown
2: man. Look at the railings. We missed an important detail. And what detail would that be? The height of the railings. They come up to about my chest, which would be the same for the late Mr. Ford. And you can't just fall over a railing of this height as you've been describing, unless you decided to jump. How do you figure that he couldn't have fallen? These railings are designed to stop a person from accidentally falling over. Hey, Sam! what was that? Ew! Oh, that's... That's... you. Oh, That's ew. the man's tongue. He must have bit it off when he was strangled. But that usually only happens after you were strangled by a person. If the handprints and scratches weren't enough, this man fought back.
0: How do you figure?
2: The fact that there's blood underneath his right-hand fingernails, and on his right hand, means that he fought back, before he fell off the mortal coils.
0: Which means that whoever strangled him must have some sort of wound.
2: I say we look for scratches on the face. Seems to be his promotional slip. His... Pay doubled actually, and he got his first pay as a promoted employee according to the money in his pocket. Unfortunately, he didn't get to use any of it. He just got promoted yesterday when he got off of work at six. Mr. Ford has been doing an enormous amount of work for the past
3: few months, and I thought he should be commended for it. He worked at several parts in the factory all day where other employees are supposed to work, doing their jobs for them when they can't be bothered to. He's been quite a hard worker for the last month. Was there anyone else who was in the market for a promotion? Everyone was shopping, but only three had enough to earn it Gabriel Ivanov, Esther Rhodes, and Edgar Hamill. I saw two people on the third rise talking rather mean. I heard one of
4: them say something about money. Then the guy by the railing started backing up. Then he started getting closer. Then the other guy started grabbing the guy by the railing around his neck. The guy by the railing scratched the other guy's face and lied on his left hand after it went limp. Then the other guy lifted him over the railing. The person seemed a little bit tall and mean-looking compared to the other guy. This happened before everyone arrived to work.
2: You people were glad that he was killed?
5: Of course. That man stole work from us folks left and right. Ford was able to get that promotion for one major reason. He had blackmailed people that was of use to him in this darn factory. He made everyone allow him to take some of their hours without having him lift a lousy finger. We did the work and that blasted man took the credit.
2: You could tell us if some of the ropes were rigged right or not? Of course. Come over to the railing over there. You could see the ropes in question. Uh
5: Uh-oh.
0: This is all messed up. What's that scratch on your face? Those long
5: scratches on your left cheek? Some of the rigging's on my last tune-up snapped and cut me on the cheek. I I don't care for Tim
6: Ford. He always took my work just because he was able to blackmail me. I don't even know how he found out. He threatened to tell the overseer. Then I would be fired and ruined unless I let him take as much hours for me as he wanted while I did all the work. That's why I wasn't able to get the promotion. I was the top of the list, but he won because of his lie.
2: So how are you going to prove yourself to be innocent?
6: I can't without an alibi, can I? I'm not guilty. Besides, I heard he jumped a suicide. Not murder.
2: Can I ask you how you got those scratches on your left cheek?
6: I tripped on curb walking to work and
0: scratched my face.
1: Esther Rhodes!
0: Did you arrive before or after Ford? Oh,
1: I believe I arrived after Ford. I didn't get that promotion. Unfortunately, not thanks to that Richard man. He blackmailed me into giving him my hours. And I had to comply or, or else. Are
0: those scratches on your left cheek, Miss Rhodes?
1: Yes. I was giving some of the stray cats behind my apartment complex from Cream. One of them just lashed out and struck me. Are you really still stumped at
2: this puzzle? Of course not. I know exactly who killed Ford, thanks to you. Why don't you go and comfort your witness? I've solved the case. She can rest easy while I nab the killer.
0: Now we return to Samantha Stone tricking Chief Shepherd into believing she hasn't found the murderer, when she actually has.
7: Charles leaves to go to the witness,
2: Okay, now to find the murderer.
7: Samantha Stone goes to the third rise where the killer is working alone.
2: Ivanov, where are all the other workers that were here with you?
6: Lunch break.
2: So why aren't you there?
6: I already ate my lunch.
2: Well, I'm glad you're here anyways. I've got something to tell you. Yes? I'm here to tell you that you are under arrest for the murder of the late Tim Ford.
6: That's not true. He jumped. You can't suspect me? Where's your proof?
2: Tim Ford didn't jump. We both know that. I have all the proof I need, after all. I am the greatest detective in London. But now it's time for you to pay the Piper for your crimes.
6: You still haven't given me any proof.
2: Peace, Ivanov. I go about this in certain ways, so just sit tight. Let's start with the who, okay? Well, obviously it was you, but I'm sure you want to know how I know it was you. I had three suspects in the beginning of this investigation. Esther Rhodes, Egda Hamill, and you, Gabriel Ivanov. Each one of you were in the running for the nice paying promotion until Tim Ford conned you all out of it. That's a guess since I heard the words dirt and blackmail from all three of your lips. Shepard and I figured that the people who were promoted had to have been the suspects because of the promotion slip in his pocket. Yes, you killed him because he cheated you out of a promotion. Aside from that, we found ligature marks on his neck in the shape of hands, as well as some cuts in his neck from the fingernails of the hands. And we found blood underneath Ford's right-hand fingernails where he lashed out and made contact. For even more salt in the wound, he bit off his own tongue, which is usually the sign of being strangled by a person, not by jumping on his own accord. We found it when his jaw unclenched. Also, we actually have a witness right here in the factory that saw you arguing with Tim Ford. They said that a tall man had strangled Tim Ford and threw him over the railing, but not without sustaining some wounds from the victim himself.
6: So? That that doesn't prove it was me. It could have been any of us, but not me.
2: Oh, please. Do you really think that Miss Rose is still on the suspect list? She's shorter than me and quite old. Do you really believe that she could strangle a grown man or manage to throw him over the railing? That's just as tall as her? No, not at all. This brings it to just you and Hamel, but it's definitely not Hamel.
6: What? Why?
2: The scratch he sustained is on his right cheek, not his left. The witness said that she saw blood on Tim Ford's right hand, which means the only way he could get blood on his right hand is if he scratched the murderer on his left cheek. I know this because the railing was on the far end of the rise, and Tim Ford went over that railing, which happened to be on the right side of the factory. The only way you could back him into a corner and successfully strangle him and have the witness see the blood on his right hand but not the wound on your cheek is if you were facing the railing and he was back to the railing. Therefore, the cold-blooded killer is, without a doubt, you, Gabriel Ivanov. You're coming with me to Chief Shepherd. Stone turns towards the stairs.
6: He's not here. You're alone.
7: She turns back to him. He's just in Miss Vale's office getting some water, but that's not important. Come with me. She beckons him with her hand, but he just stands there.
6: You didn't tell him I was the killer. Why isn't he here with you?
2: No, I didn't say anything yet, and I told you he was thirsty. Will you just come on? Ivanov? Stone goes to grab his arm and
7: pull him along, but he lashes out and takes a hold of her neck. Uh, I... I I've
2: enough!
6: You're an idiot. An arrogant fool, and the solution has blinded you. Why would such a pretty, frail girl come and confront such a cold-blooded killer like me alone? and without telling anyone where you are at. You are alone, Miss Stone. Alone and afraid, I'm sure. Because this is where you die. If you are the only one who knows I'm the murderer of Tim Ford, then that shall die with you!
2: stop stop This... This is stupid!
6: No, you coming here alone was stupid. Now stop talking. I want you to grasp for air, choke, and struggle instead. It feels so invigorating, the torture, before I fully close your throat. That's all that Tim Ford did. Maybe lash out a little bit so I can watch the hope drain from your eyes as you struggle in vain.
7: Samantha Stone starts to tear up, struggling to get free from the iron grip of Gabriel Ivanov, slowly losing air and consciousness. Sh- Shepard? Everything goes black for Samantha Stone with a chuckle from Gabriel Ivanov. <laughs>
0: oh. Stone! Stone! Yeah! Samantha! Please wake up! Come on, Samantha! You can't die yet!
4: Sammy! Sammy!
0: Oh no! Samantha! Samantha! You can't leave me. Not yet! <laughs>
7: Samantha Stone heaves in a breath, choking. (laughs) (coughs) He pulls her in for a hug, and Charles joins in on the hug. Boys, I'm trying
2: to breathe. They let go. We're
3: just happy.
0: Yeah, we can't lose you.
2: How'd how'd you know I, I was up here?
0: Well, when I was drinking the water, I remembered that the witness said that Tim Ford lashed out with his right hand, which would make the cut on the murderer's cheek on the left of his face. And the only ones that had a cut on the left cheek was Rhodes and Ivanov. And since Rhodes was too old to be able to strangle Ford, it had to be Ivanov. Then the kid came here saying that he comforted the witness. I asked where you were, and he said nabbing the killer. We both went up to the third right to help you hit the killer when we saw you go limp.
2: Huh. You're quite the detective.
0: Aye. I- but not good as you, I know that.
7: Chief Shepard gets up and goes to Ivanov and cuffs him. Ivanov sits up with a groan. Yeah, he hit the
4: bad
1: man so hard he passed out. Shepard really loves you, Sammy. What? <laughs> Didn't you hear him? After he punched the guy, he was like, Samantha, Samantha, don't
2: die. I need you, mwah, mwah.
0: You little brat, I said no such thing.
2: It's true, Sammy.
0: That's true. Uh, well, I guess you won the competition, Stone. I'll pay you when we get back to the police station.
2: And then I'll take you to dinner tonight, okay? It seems to me we both won in this situation.
0: But you figured it out before I did.
2: And you saved my life! Come on now, has that appetite that caused you to figure out the case, huh?
0: Back in the office. But I'll take you up on that offer.
2: I thought so. Ooh, you're gonna kiss her, aren't you? Are you gonna be my papa now?
0: You little brat! I said to pipe down! She isn't even your mother! <laughs>
2: What did he say again, Charlie? One more time. <laughs> he said, Samantha, Samantha, don't die. I need you. Mwah, mwah. Stone and Charles both
7: laugh as they walk down the rise with an embarrassed shepherd. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Listen up, ladies. I know you've had filament filler's mustache clip-on, so I've come to you with filament filler's hair removal cream. With a want of sleek, powerful legs, I can tell you that this cream works without the hassle of dangerous, rusty razors and painful cuts. All you have to do is put Filament Fillers Hair Removal Cream on any part of your body that you don't want hair. And once you wash it away, all the hair is gone. It's smooth, safe, and feels great. And don't worry, the hair won't grow back for a full month. We know we must look drop dead gorgeous, girls, so I'll get Filament Fillers Hair Removal Cream. With filament fillers hair remover cream, you can
2: live the dream of being a model queen.
3: You were right, Mr. Stanford. It's crazy how you manage that so much.
0: Yes, it's a gift. But continue.
3: You were just praising me? Right. As I was saying, it's just as you planned. With a little prodding and the right words, anyone can be clay in your hands. He did exactly what you wanted him to do.
0: So, Johnson killed Ford.
3: Yes, and just as you orchestrated, planting that little seed of hate in Ivanov by manipulating him into thinking that Ford was going to cause Ivanov to stay in the business forever worked wonders. It was so enjoyable to watch the manipulation work. That man did my bidding with no second thoughts. Everyone played our little game just as you set up. Even the police? Especially the police. They did every little action as you said they would. So predictable. The only broken piece was the detective who came in and solved the murder. She knew it wasn't an accident and solved the crime quickly and with ease. She was very entertaining to watch, but also very unnerving. We must make sure we pick less sloppy pawns. Even so, everything worked out. No fingers were pointed back
8: at us.
0: Well, of course not. If you did exactly as I said, all you were was a little voice in his ear, telling him that Ford is that bad guy. That Ford is stealing his money and work. That Ford is the best. You didn't say anything about killing him, so you can't be blamed. But you raise a good point with the detective. We must keep an eye on her.
3: I'm sure she won't be a problem. Just as Ford isn't a problem anymore. If she gets too intuitive, then we can just remove her from the game.
0: Yes, that's true. Oh, you did well, my little kitten. With you by my side, we will finally be able to take over London. <laughs> <laughs>
7: It is morning here in the murder cursed streets of London, October 10th, 1890. Samantha Stone, frazzled and on edge, is walking towards Pugilism, the local boxing arena. She seems to be walking there with a purpose, a purpose of an escaped death. As she hastily approaches the building, she views a priest that is pacing the premises. Why is he there, and what's going on? Well, let's tune in and find out. Samantha Stone walks up to the priest with footsteps.
2: Um, father, what's, what's going on? What are you, why are you here?
5: Um, oh, a uh, young man died here last night in the practice room. The boxing club members discovered him this morning and called me over, as well as the mortician, so that I could bless the holy body and we could perform the ritual for burial. Such a tragedy.
2: And, uh, why, why aren't the police here?
5: Why would the police need to be here? Yes, a suicide is quite awful, but I wouldn't think the police would need to come here for that. Also, why are you here, madame? You don't seem to be a boxer.
2: Oh, I'm not. I, I, just, I just wanted to speak with the lad who runs the place. He's here, is he not?
5: He is, but he's inside with the fellow members, mourning the young man's tragic death.
2: And I presume you are out here because the mortician is late?
5: No, I just wanted some fresh air. Never seen a person shot in the head before. I just became a priest last year, you see. I was never involved in deaths before, so I'm just a little green around the gills. The mortician usually doesn't come until the day after the incident. I'm just here to bless the body. I think I'll go back in once they clean everything up.
2: Do you mind if I go in there? I just need to speak with the owner. It's quite urgent.
5: I don't think they're wanting any guests at the moment.
2: I'm not a guest. I'm Samantha Stone, private investigator, and I'll be quick.
5: Well, I guess I can't stop you.
7: Samantha Stone walks into the building with footsteps. She doesn't see anybody, but she does see an open room with a sign that says Practice Room 1 over the top of it.
2: The priest did say that the young man died in a practice room. Maybe I will find all of the members in this first one. She walks into the
7: back with footsteps to see four members surrounding the body and one member mopping up the bloodstains on the floor, not touching the body yet. They hear her come in and look over.
8: What are you doing here? No guests in the back room. You aren't supposed to be here right now. Don't you see? Someone died. The blasted priest should have told you. Mark, calm down.
6: We didn't tell the priest to stop anyone from coming in. And I'm sure she wouldn't have come back here if she knew. Now, why are you here?
2: I was here to ask some questions for the person who ran this arena about what you do here. Hey, you're the detective girl I read about
1: in the paper, aren't you? Samantha Stone, right? Aye, that's me. Guys,
3: she could tell us that Patrick was actually murdered. Violet, we can't be bringing folks into private affairs. He committed suicide, it says so right in his note. Yeah, I don't see much point in prolonging
4: everyone's pain over you believing something is wrong.
6: Anyways, you wanted to ask some questions. I'm the man you're looking for, so why don't we go back up to the front with me? Away from this scene, so we can talk about it, huh?
2: No, Wait! You think he was murdered?
1: Yes, it just doesn't seem possible that he got up and killed himself. Especially the way he was
2: acting yesterday. And how was he acting?
8: Well, his head was getting even bigger when he was talking about winning the title for our arena. We were supposed to fight the biggest battle of the year tomorrow, and he apparently was going to be the one to win us the 5,000 pounds.
3: Yeah, he was going on and on about how he was the best thing that happened to our group, and he was the only reason that we ever win any of our fights. He was very full of himself, but he was good. I was able to beat him once, but sometimes the braggart is right about his claims. Sometimes. I wouldn't say that he's the best thing that happened to us or that he's that great. He was a fool.
4: No one really liked him because of how much hot air he blew and how mean he was. But he was the main hard hitter for our group. That's why we kept him around.
2: Hard hitter?
6: You came into pugilism without knowing anything, didn't you? I guess that's no surprise. You didn't strike me as a boxer, but a hard hitter is a title for a heavyweight boxer that has all their strength in force, but definitely not speed. They can take and dish out a bunch of hits, but they lack in the speed and stamina department. The longer they're in the ring, the worse the outcome. Patrick and Kara are both hard hitters. Another title is Speed. Speed is the opposite of hard hitters. They have a large deposit of speed and stamina, so they can stay in the ring quite a long time, throwing small but damaging punches in the long run. They don't have a lot of force and can get knocked out easily by hard hitters, though. Mark and Violet are both speed. Violet is the vice leader in our arena. I'm in the middle of the hard hitters and speed. I'm also the leader or the owner of this facility.
3: Don't forget about Sharon, Andrew.
4: Well, I'm not really a part of the boxing group. I'm the water girl. I bring the members water, towels, and other things they might need to call for. I worked with Robert Summers.
8: I thought we agreed we wouldn't bring him up again. Especially not in front of an outsider.
1: Why? What's wrong with Robert Summers? He was the errand boy of our group. He was the nicest one of us all. He just lit up a room whenever he came in. He wanted to be a boxer like the rest of us, but he was very lanky and he didn't have the structure to be a boxer. So he stayed an errand boy. Uh, Until a year ago, actually. A year ago today. He hung himself right here in the back room. Another suicide?
8: Yeah, another one. It seems we're now cursed, aren't we? But we don't talk about him because it's just painful for us. He was my best friend. I should have known that he was depressed or something. He seemed to get new bruises every time he came in here. Maybe he was getting into some trouble, like with gangs.
2: You think the bruises were the subject of his depression.
6: Probably, but I wouldn't really call them injuries bruises. It was more like senseless beatings. He would come in with huge black marks and welts on his body, especially in his face. And when one of us would question it, he'd shy away and said it was nothing.
3: And obviously it wasn't, but the boy has a mouth like an oyster shell holding a pearl. You couldn't get him to talk for nothing. The only one who didn't seem concerned was the one who's dead on the floor. One time, Robert came in looking mangled. He was missing a few teeth and he was bleeding so much from the swells on his face that you could vomit. He couldn't even move his face, let alone tell us what happened. I just can't believe we got the same priest to come bless Patrick who blessed Robert. Still as queasy as we remember him. Well, that does sound bad. Maybe we should focus back on the murder of Patrick.
8: Only you think he was murdered, Violet.
2: It can't hurt for her to check. No, it can't. So I'll check. But first, I would like to know everyone's full name. You five may be comfortable with calling each other by your first names, but I'm not. And please include the dead man's name as well.
6: My name is Andrew Carson, and this is Violet Moore. He's Mark Carlyle, and she's Kara Smith, and that's Sharon Terry. The deceased is Patrick Richardson.
7: Samantha Stone nods and bends down to look at the body. She picks up a piece of
2: paper from the ground. So this is the suicide note.
6: Yeah, although it doesn't really sound like him at all. It goes on and on about how he hated life, and how he was not a good person, and how he just didn't want to live anymore.
3: If there's one thing we know about dear old Patrick, he was high on life and didn't care who he hurt to show it. He was a pompous fool, but a good fighter. It was
4: strange that he killed himself before his big fight.
2: Hmm. Well, good to know. The body is quite stiff. That means that rigor mortis set in at least 24 hours ago. He slumped against the wall. I guess he sat down, supposedly to shoot himself? Yuck. The body reeks, though.
6: We noticed that coming in here. We had to clean up the area, mostly because of the priest. And when you get in close, you can smell it.
2: Maybe it's just because the body died. No, no. You'd know if that smell was because of death. Decomposing bodies definitely have a distinct smell, but they only begin to decompose after day two or three. The smell you smell now is definitely body odor. Well, you're definitely going to smell that on a guy who exerts himself all the time. He
3: always used this room for the punching bag. It's the best punching bag for practices. That and the fact that the room is number one. He was most likely practicing.
8: Why would he be practicing if he was going to kill himself? Why was he even here?
4: Maybe he wanted to be in his favorite place to die. You know, to have a last happy thought.
2: Maybe. Wait... Now this is weird. What's the problem? The gunshot wound. The place where he shot himself isn't burned.
6: Why is that weird? He shot himself, not burned a hole in his head.
2: No, you don't understand. A suicide gunshot wound should have burn marks around the entry hole. This is because the gun barrel becomes quite hot after firing. Enough heat to sear or burn the edges of a wound. It should also look black because of the gunpowder ring. This wound has none of that. So what does that mean? It means the barrel of the gun wasn't directly on his head. And that means? I'll get to what that means after I finish looking over the body. The gun here is just resting in his hand. That's because usually the fingers would still be gripping the gun, or at least the trigger finger would be still inside the trigger guard.
8: So, the gun was placed after his death?
2: Could have been. I'll finish my investigation of the body. Then I'll know for sure. Hey, look here! There's a piece of paper in his pocket! Samantha Stone takes the paper out of his pocket. What does it say? It says, we need to talk. Meet me in one of the practice rooms tonight. That's it? No name, no time, no date.
6: So that could have been any day before his death.
2: Well, one can assume it was within 24 hours of his death, since he still has it in his pocket. Usually a person would throw it away after a day's time, or right after the meeting.
8: Great. Now we know he met someone before his death, so that means it was right then? He was murdered?
2: It's looking that way. But I wish I had something else. Another piece of evidence to tell me for sure. Well, nothing is ever set in stone, so how could you ever be sure of someone's death? True, but I think I just found the evidence that says he was definitely murdered. Everyone take a look at his right hand. Everyone bends down to take a look.
8: What are we looking for? I'm betting
6: anything out of place, stupid.
3: I think she means the blood spatter on Patrick's hand. I
2: can't place it, but it looks kind of strange. What your eyes are seeing, but your brain hasn't noticed, is the blood spatter on his hand is cut off. Like there was something on his hands before he was killed and they were removed after.
1: Well, I guess a dead man couldn't do that. So that means someone did murder him and they took something out or off of his hands after the gunshot blew a hole in his head and blood spattered everywhere.
2: I was right! That you were. Do you have a phone around here? I need one of you to call the police. There's been a murder.
4: Hey, loyal customers. Fastener Boys (laughs) is coming back better than ever with an all-new Velcro. Fastener Boys Velcro Mark II. A Mark II? <laughs> the same as the first version we had, except for this time, there's a button on the flap for quick and easy release. This Velcro is tough and won't come apart unless you press the button. The button causes the rungs on the Velcro to straighten, which releases the hold. Fastener boys! <laughs> is the best thing to happen to shoes since shoe laces. And don't forget it, fastener boys. <laughs>
9: To me. The greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to lie and be like. Hmm.
6: Sometimes, a man needs to be able to fix things on the spot. There's not enough time to go rooting through all your tools to find just the right one to fix something that needs fixing now. Sometimes, you don't even have that tool. Lost forever or never bought. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna say to your girl when you just don't work right anymore? Make her do it? Of course not. That's why it's crucial to get your hands on the multi-knife. This knife has a screwdriver, wrench, saw, knife, clippers, magnet, flashlight, level, tire gauge, pen and a flask all in one plus it has a bottle opener for those special occasions not to mention that this knife is so compact it can fit right in your pocket don't mess around with those lousy old tools anymore when you can keep everything you need right in your pocket get you a multi knife from harry's hardware store today
7: chief carter Shepard arrives with some policemen at pugilism where samantha stone is outside waiting this is definitely
0: a first Usually, I call you to the murder, not the other way around. Are you planning on hiring me?
2: Don't be daft. I just happened to be here when the murder was being cleaned up. Good thing most of it was preserved. Or would you like me to say, Come on in, Shepard. We've got a strange mystery on our hands. A murder that looks like a suicide. Take a look. I know you can solve it. I don't sound like that. Yes, you do, Shepard.
0: And... Why are you here anyways?
2: I really don't think we need to worry about the little things when we have a murder almost disguised as a suicide, do we? Come on now.
0: All right, all right. Let's go in, but you're going to have to tell me later.
5: Um, excuse me, Um, do you mind if I follow you around?
2: There's still blood all over the floor, and we're going to be looking at the body. Are you sure you want to do that? Uh,
5: I'll be fine. Um, I'm going to have to get used to it at some point. Um, I'm a priest after all, and... Not all bodies that need to be blessed are gone to look nice.
0: Well, that's an understatement. The last murder we solved, the dead guy bit his tongue clean off. It was quite a sight.
2: Shepherd, Stop that! man looks mortified.
0: Uh, I'll, I'll be fine. <laughs> well, come on then, Iron Stomach. We've got a body to examine.
5: Oh, I, I guess I should introduce myself. I'm Father Murphy. And I'm Police Chief Carter Shepard. I'm sure you already know her.
7: The three walk into pugilism. The boxing group comes out to greet them. Oh, Miss Stone! The police are here now. Great!
6: We left the rest of the crime scene as it was. Just
0: like you asked. So, want to clue me in on what's going on so far? How are you so chummy with the boxing folk when this is your first time here? This is your first time, right?
8: As far as we know, yeah. This is her first time here. Pops.
4: Consider what's going on... We walked into our building this morning to practice like usual. We walked into the back to be greeted by one of our members,
3: dead as a doornail, having shot himself some time after we left yesterday. Which is what we all thought until Miss Stone came in here and proved us all wrong. She said that she knew he was murdered because there was no burn or black marks around the entry wound of the bullet. He stunk of sweat, the suicide note was off, he was meeting someone last night and the blood spatter on his hand was cut off, like someone removed something. Don't forget that she thinks someone placed the gun in his hand after his death. I knew it! I knew he was murdered
1: all
8: along! Says a girl who wouldn't been able to prove a thing without the private investigator here.
6: Cool it, Mark. But I think that about sums it up, Kava. If nothing, our group has one heck of a memory. Pops. Pops. Did that boy seriously call me Pops? I'm not old.
8: <laughs> you're older than me, that means you're old, but you sound like you goggle nails.
3: That's kind of mean, Mark. Although he does have a certain rasp to his voice. Eh, yeah, I think it's
2: kind of nice. Well, we certainly have a motley clue here, don't we, Shepard? The
0: sooner this is over, the better.
5: Does that mean you're going to ask everyone for their statement?
2: That, and their alibis. But how do you know that?
5: I may be a queasy priest, but I'm not stupid. Priests have been near crime scenes and police before. We know certain things. Fair enough. To successfully interrogate each and
0: every one of you, we will need your full cooperation. First, we need all of you to take a seat or do whatever out here. Just don't come near practice room 2. We don't want you to change your stories based on what one of your teammates say. Sherry? Yes, sir? Get a couple of policemen to guard out here so no one tries to go near the door. I want you to guard the room with the body. If you see or find anything, notify.
2: Yes, sir. Well, now since that's settled, Mr. Carson, we will speak to you first in practice room two. Oh, father, we will speak to you as well, so don't go anywhere, okay? The three walk into practice room two.
6: So I'm a suspect, huh? Is that what's going on with this practice room interrogation thing? Your whole team are suspects. Only you guys were able to get in here and manage to take a boxer by surprise enough to kill him. So, why is the priest being questioned? He's not a part of our group.
2: Well, that's because he was here for the last suicide that happened here. Besides, I'm very thorough with my investigations.
0: Okay, so, what do you want? I'm not guilty. That's what they all say. We want you to give us the times when pugilism opens to when it closes for your crew. If you know that what you did yesterday, and your relationships with the deceased. You should also throw in what you know about your crew concerning the dead man.
6: Of course I know when pugilism opens and closes. I run the bloody place. But that time is really only for the public. Our boxing facility is open to the public from 10 a.m. until 6 p.m. That's when people are allowed to come in and to practice, train, or just watch the training and fights. We mostly get men, but sometimes women come in. Now, my crew usually arrives between 9 and 10 a.m., I come here at 9 most days. I am the boss, after all. Violet comes in at that time, too. Mark, Kara, and Sharon usually get here around 10. But they got here today when Violet and I got here because we needed to start cracking down on our training since the big fight, the biggest fight of the year, is coming up. Okay, but when does everyone leave? Why do you say that the time is only for the public? Because we all have keys. It's not like my teammates would steal anything from here. Nothing is that valuable. Most of the stuff here is way too heavy and big anyways. We all have mutual trust. Sure, it took me a few years to trust these guys, but once we established a group and friendship, I thought they deserved it.
2: Blast it! That means any one of you could go in and out of this building anytime you pleased.
6: Right. It's better that way. Oh, it was. My group used this gift so they could let off some steam or get some late-night practice in when they wanted to. You should know this place is our home away from home. Unfortunately, it's become more and more like an emotional jail cell. You're referring to the
0: suicides, right? I tried getting the priest to bless this place instead of the bodies. It's like you people are cursed.
2: But, for my sanity, there is at least one block of the day that has other people in it. Besides you guys, right? The ten to six time period? That's right. That's fifteen hours that the crime could have happened.
0: Right. Only fifteen hours. Wait. What? Fifteen hours? You mean you didn't find a time frame?
2: I would have, but the time frame is all screwed up. Usually you can tell by rigor mortis, but since the body is so rigid, rigor mortis is saying that he was killed when there would have been mass amounts of people in the building.
0: You're saying that someone managed to shoot the guy in the head in the middle of the day without anyone noticing?
6: I think we would have all noticed if a gunshot had gone off in one of these rooms. You might need to check that rigor mortis thing again.
2: You both are very dense. Never ever doubt my veracity, boys, especially in this sort of situation. There's a perfectly logical explanation to why his rigor mortis is saying that he was killed during the public hours yesterday. Do tell. We can set aside temperature changes because the weather outside since yesterday hasn't changed drastically, and I would believe that the temperature in this building hasn't changed either. The only thing that could have happened to skew my data so much is if he had a post-mortem spasm. This sometimes happens when the deceased is under an extreme emotional state or engaging in physical exertion.
6: So you're saying that Patrick was practicing in some mood before he died?
2: Yes. He must have been practicing really hard while someone sneaked in and shot him. Or someone was getting him all riled up while he was practicing before shooting him. Either way, he was practicing really hard under emotional duress. The post-mortem spasm stiffens the muscles almost instantly. This gives the illusion of a regular rigor mortis, but in fact, the death could have happened two hours before you all found the body, or twelve. See the problem?
0: Yes, I see it now. How do you even know all this? You're like a mortician.
2: I like my job, Shepard. Sometimes you learn strange facts on the job. Or you look for them. Either way, I'm informed and we all get the job done that much quicker and more efficiently. Anyways, we can guess that the murder happened when everyone was gone from pugilism, and then the murderer and their victim came back. When did everyone leave? Was there a time when this building was empty?
6: Actually, there was. The public left and we closed to the public. But there was a time last night where I definitely know that everyone left. Everyone decided to go out to Tankard's last night for a stiff belt before our big day. We decided to do it last night because doing something like drinking the night before a big fight is just stupid. We left around 7 p.m. and I locked up behind. Do you know when everyone left the bar? Can't say I do. Violet and I left before everyone else to go back to my apartment. We left at 8 p.m., but I don't know... When everyone else left.
2: So everyone was still there when you two left.
6: That would be right.
2: Why did you two leave for your apartment? And why so early?
6: Uh, well, we were feeling lucky is all. Besides, I had to wake up early. To get here to open up, I knew everyone else was going to be late. Probably hungover. I'm surprised none of them are complaining about that.
2: Lucky?
0: I'm almost certain those two are dating, Stone. You might not know slang like that, but use that detective mind of yours and put two and two together.
2: So you two did the... Okay, that's none of my business. I'm here for the murder. Uh, just continue on with your relationship to Patrick Richson.
6: I never really liked him. He was foolhardy, and he boasted a lot. Sometimes getting a head so big, even he couldn't carry it. Even so, he got results. Ever since he joined, our little boxing club has gotten a name and profit because of that. It'd be stupid to let him go, even if he was a dirty thief.
2: A thief? I thought you said there was nothing to steal here. Explain that, please.
6: I caught him stealing from our safe in the back once. He said he needed the money to feed himself and his family. But I knew he lived alone. He also didn't seem that famished. But I had to give him some of the money. He said he would quit our group and join our rivals, just so he wouldn't win. I couldn't do that to the team, so I let him go that once. I wish I hadn't. That sounds like a motive. Maybe he kept on stealing and you couldn't have it. If that was the case, I wouldn't have kept him around the first time I caught him. But, like I said, we needed him. He didn't have any remorse, so he was a good fighter. Either way, I have an alibi. I was with my girlfriend all night, and our nosy neighbor can account for that. The walls aren't thick.
2: All right, then. Send Violet Moore in and not only tell her to come in, nothing else. Carson leaves with footsteps.
0: What are you thinking?
2: Well, he doesn't sound like he killed the man. Can't rule anything out just yet. For his sake, he better hope his girlfriend has the same alibi and story.
7: Moore enters the room with footsteps.
2: My turn to be a suspect?
0: You sound a bit giddy to be a murder suspect.
1: Well, this is just also exciting. Not the death part, but the investigation. I knew he was murdered.
0: You said that before. What do you mean?
1: I just felt like something was wrong with the whole situation. Why would he commit suicide when he was so high on life and there was the big fight that he was so raring to go for? Why commit it in pugilism? It was just strange.
2: Well, you were right about the murder part, but you're still a suspect. That's nothing to be excited about. Anyways, we have a few questions to ask you. No problem. I'm happy to help.
0: When did you and the others leave this place last night? Or did you?
2: Oh, we did. We left
1: around 7... Last night, we had to make sure we were only left after the public wasn't allowed to come in. Andrew locked up and we went to Tango's for a drink. I think I only had one or two drinks before we left at eight-ish? Everyone left at eight? Uh, Oh, no, no, no. Just Andrew and I, we headed back to his place to have some fun, if you catch my drift. There was no way we'd invite the others for that.
2: Yeah, we understand. Do you have a key to
1: pugilism? Yes, so we can get extra practice and come and go when we please. I guess it wasn't the best thing, was it?
0: Not really, since it let anyone in your group commit crimes. What was your relationship to the deceased?
1: Besides teammates, nothing important. I don't really like him, though, especially with the way he treats Kara.
0: What happened with, uh, Miss Kara?
1: Oh, I guess you should call her Miss Smith. Anyway, he beats up on Kara emotionally for being a woman hard hitter. She's definitely an awesome boxer and well-suited to be a hard hitter. Physically fit, tall and large muscles. So, obviously, you can see why he abused her. I guess his little brain couldn't handle the fact that she could be stronger than he was. He was a wretched man in that respect. Yeah, women aren't usually like that, but she has talents and certain gifts. And she chooses to use them instead of to hide them. I respect that.
0: As do we. But what exactly did he say to Miss Me?
1: Just a bunch of derogatory terms, saying that she could never be a real boxer, a woman in man's clothing, things like that. I don't know how much it got to her, but it was even worse when she and Mark started dating. He started berating them both like they were less than him or whatever. Mark hated him, you could tell. One time he punched Patrick so hard he knocked out his tooth. I've never seen a speed boxer hit so hard. Kara, on the other hand, never seemed to retaliate. I never knew where the anger went. I mean, if I was bullied like she was, I would hit him too. Why weren't you bullied? I'm second in command around here. Perks of knowing the air of pugilism ever since he was a kid. Plus, I don't think Patrick would dare bully me since I'm dating the guy as well.
2: Alright. Well, thanks for what you said. You might as well send Kara Smith in. Tell her nothing except to come in. Violet Moore leaves with footsteps.
0: Seems that her story checks out with Carson's. It's too bad that we don't know when the others left the bar, though.
2: They will all tell us sometime, unless they were completely intoxicated. But we know one is lying. Carson and Moore are a special case since they both left together and seem to have the same story.
0: Unless they killed the kid together. Either way, what she said about Smith unnerves me.
2: Yeah, all those bottled up emotions can't- You wanted to talk to me?
0: Yes, just about the issue that transpired.
3: You mean the murder? Ugh, I just wish that jerk killed himself. Now one of our teammates is going to be taken away. If only Violet kept her mouth shut. You
2: can't say that. Murder is murder and it's never good. We can't let a guilty person get away with such a crime. I know, I know. But Patrick isn't- wasn't
3: innocent himself. He did a lot of bad things. He deserved the penalty he got, just not from the person who gave it.
0: Well, I'll ask about the bad things he did later. First, I want to know about the things that transpired last night. Did everyone leave pugilism last night?
3: Yeah, we were all going to celebrate the fight happening tomorrow by going out to Tankard's. I think we all left around 7 o'clock. Do you know when people left? Not everyone, but some. I know that the two lovebirds, Andrew and Violet, left around 8 after a couple of drinks. They looked so completely in love, it was nauseating. I'm suspecting that they went to his or her apartment to... Well, you know. Mark and I left around nine to go back to his apartment. What? To do the thing? Hmm? Uh, Oh, no. I haven't been able to get a job outside of boxing, so I can't afford an apartment. We live together for convenience.
0: You don't have family to go back to? Not that living with him is bad or something.
3: No, I understand. But no, I don't. I'm sorry, But can I ask you if you all had keys to pugilism? Yeah, we all got one from Andrew for convenience. Even the non-boxes of our club. This is his little family after his dad died. Mine too. Although I really can't call it a functional family. Patrick
2: kept it from that.
0: You did say that he did a lot of bad things. Can you expand on that?
2: Also, can you give us your relationship to Mr. Richson? Certainly. Patrick was complete
3: scum, to put it bluntly. He harassed me because of the abilities I had to be a hard hitter. He always said that I shouldn't be here. I was trying to be something I wasn't. And even that I looked and acted unnatural. I know I'm not the caricature of an ideal woman, but there's nothing wrong with me. Mark doesn't think so, but that's only some of the tame things he said to me. The worst part was that he liked to belittle me in front of the group. I hated it. It was embarrassing.
2: Obviously. There's no doubt it wouldn't be. But why didn't you retaliate or anything?
0: Stone is right. I know that being a hard hitter is a very tall title to live up to. You probably could have taught him a real good lesson.
3: I know I could have, but what good would that have done? If I knocked him out or something, he would just would have come back with even worse insults, like how I was a freak of nature or something. He once said that I should be in one of those one chilling traveling circuses. I had to keep my anger down or I wouldn't have been able to control it. But you did control it, right? I won't let my anger get the best of me, Miss Stone. I don't like how that question sounded like you were accusing me. I did not kill Patrick.
0: So then, how did you get rid of your anger?
3: In the ring. I usually win by a landslide because I picture his face on the bodies of my opponents. Punching bags are also quite the stress reliever. Although I got great satisfaction from Mark punching Patrick some time ago. Patrick was being his usual self towards me and I couldn't calm Mark down that time. But I'm glad I didn't. Patrick lost a tooth that day. A forever scar that he would have to live with for the rest of his life. Too bad that he had to die so soon. Living with the front tooth gone would have caused him so much misery.
0: Anything else we should know?
3: Hmm. Oh, one more thing. I can't remember when this was, but I was going to do some late night practicing when I thought everyone was gone. I went in and then I heard yelling from the back. I know eavesdropping is wrong, but I overheard Andrew yelling at Patrick for stealing money from us safe. He said that he should kill Patrick for such a betrayal of trust like this, but Patrick used his slick tongue to get away with stealing, and the money, and still be in our group. I still can't believe Andrew didn't go to you guys for such an offense, but I wasn't at liberty to do anything,
2: since I did pretty much spy on them. Well, you were a big help. Please send Mark Carlisle in next. Don't tell him anything except that he needs to come in here. Carsmith leaves with footsteps.
0: Well, I'm glad she knows how to deal with her anger. She doesn't seem so... crazy, like I thought she would be, for holding in her emotions like that.
2: The thing is, Shepard, she didn't hold in those emotions. She just didn't use it on Richson. But I understand what you mean. Looks like we don't need to ask the other two about the keys or the time that they left pugilism last night. That information seems pretty solid from the three that we've talked to. The only thing that's bad is that Sharon Terry doesn't have another person to back up a story since she and Ridgson were the last to leave tankards.
0: So she's the killer?
2: It's not that cut and dry, Shepard. Do you have any evidence? Mark Carlisle walks
7: in with footsteps.
8: What do you want, Pops? Hey, are you two married? What, what? What?
2: No, 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 no. no, no, no colleagues no, only. No, we just work together.
8: Yes. Yes. Hey, it was just a question. You two seem like you would be stream like work ethic and whatever.
2: We aren't here to talk about that. Uh, besides, how would you know our work ethic?
0: Yeah, you've never seen us work before, and we hardly talked before we started talking to the suspects.
8: It was just something a guy can pick up on, like intuition. or, Or maybe I just want to ruffle Pop's mustache a bit. Anyways... I'm supposed to be questioned, right. We just want to know when you left Tankard's and if anyone left with you.
2: Also, if you could give us your relationship to the deceased, we'd be much obliged.
8: I left Tankard's with Kara. I think around nine or something. I don't remember, though. I was jagged. So, only Kara left with me. She helped me to our apartment. She doesn't really drink, so she always ends up helping me. It's a good thing she likes me. Is that all that happened last night? I think. Oh, wait. I remember waking up in the middle of the night to relieve myself in the loo, and Kara wasn't in the bed. I didn't think anything of it, though. It's not like she has to stay in my apartment all night. Besides, when I woke up in the morning, we had a bunch of food on the table that wasn't there before. I suspect she went to shop.
2: Well, that's certainly a new piece of information. What about your relationship to Mr. Richson?
8: I hated him. He always harped on Kara. He made me so angry whenever he did that. I swear I could have killed him every time he disrespected her. He had no right to do
2: it. You didn't carry out with that hatred, did you?
8: That's an awfully incriminating thing to say
0: when you're a suspect for murder.
8: I didn't kill him. Besides, we boxed together a lot to train. I felt pretty good when I was able to run circles around him and kick his butt. Although he kicked mine a lot, too.
2: But I bet you felt even better with that punch you gave him to knock out a tooth, huh? Hmm.
8: Did Kara mention that? But yeah, that day felt pretty great. But other than that, we didn't really interact. I always kept from him as much as I could because of his horrid personality. But just in case you want to know, I think Sharon hated Patrick a lot more than either Kara or me. Every time he came come into the room, you could feel the air change around you as Sharon's whole demeanor changed. I don't know why she hated him so much, though.
2: Miss Terry, was that upset with him? Hmm, that is pretty good information. I'll have to remember that.
8: I think
0: that's all we need from you, Mr. Carlisle. If you could send Miss Terry in without telling her anything other than
8: to come in, that would be splendid. Great. If you need anything else, Pops, I'll be right outside.
2: Oh, wait! I wanted to ask you one more thing. It's about Robert Summers. I remember you saying that he was your best friend, so I wanted to get the information about him from you. He was a part of this group, so I believe any information I can get would be good information.
8: Well, you already heard how he was beat within an inch of his life all the time when he came into work. He never said anything about it.
2: Yes, I remember you said it was a gang.
8: Yeah, but I have no proof of that. I couldn't get anything from him. That hurt a lot. He did say, though, that those bruises were making him stronger to achieve his goal. I couldn't get anything else from him, though. I guess... I guess there's not really much to say about Robert, except for some reason he seemed to look up to Patrick, even though Patrick definitely looked down on him. I don't think there's anything else besides that he was a great kid and a good friend.
2: Well, I guess you can go get Sharon Terry now.
8: Oh, I'm pretty sure you want to know this. If I didn't know any better, I'm pretty sure Sharon was dating Robert. I mean, I saw them kiss once. That's usually not a friendly exchange, if you know what I mean.
7: Mark Carlisle leaves with footsteps.
2: So Sharon was dating the Summer's kid. Well, Pops, I'm also starting to think that Kara may be at fault again. She now doesn't have an alibi for some time in the middle of the night. What are you thinking?
0: I'm thinking I hope that boy killed Richon.
2: Oh, come on, Shepard. You don't really think that, do you?
0: He's ridiculous. I can't believe he called me Pops. Like I'm old or something.
2: Well, you are older than he is.
0: Yes, and Charlie is older than a newborn. Doesn't mean he's old.
2: (laughs) Ha ha. Well, don't hold anything against him. I mean, he practically said that we were a cute couple. What?
7: The stone?
2: Sharon Terry comes in with footsteps.
7: Let's just
4: get this over with. I didn't
2: kill Patrick Richson. All right,
0: then. Case solved. She didn't do it. You may go.
2: Yeah. Look, we can't pass you off just because you say you didn't kill him. We have to conduct our investigation first.
0: So, when did you and Patrick leave Tankers last night?
2: I left
4: before Patrick. At 9.30, I believe. Pretty soon after Cara and Mark left. I didn't have much to drink last night, but Patrick looked pretty drunk, though. I think he probably left after me. I left to go back to my apartment to call it a night. That's all I did last night.
0: So no one left with you?
4: No, it was just me. So how can you give us an alibi for last night? I guess I can't. But I swear I didn't kill him.
0: We'll be the judge of that. What was your relationship with the deceased?
4: Well, he was technically my boss, along with the rest of the members, since I was a water girl. He was never polite about it, like the rest of the members, though. I wouldn't really call him a friend, either. Not after the way that I saw him treat Kara. Anyone who has the nerve to treat someone like that is not a potential friend. I still sometimes call him Patrick, though. With the atmosphere in this
2: place, it's kind of hard not to. That's understandable. But why did you become a water girl? I'm sure it doesn't pay much, and if it's that terrible, why stay? Mmm, well,
4: I just thought I could learn a thing or two about self-defense. Then I became friends with most of the members here, so I stayed. Uh, hey, did you manage to learn anything by just watching? Um, yeah. I learned how to get out of a chokehold if I ever needed to. How is that done?
0: Stone, why are you concerned with
2: I'm that? not. Maybe it's pertinent to the investigation. How exactly? Never mind. Can you just tell us anything else you know? Also, I remember the group saying that you were a water girl with the water boy, Robert Summers. I wanted to ask you about him since you two had the same job. Robert Summers was an errand boy, not a water boy. He left
4: pugilism to get things for the teammates and pugilism. I only brought water around to the members. There's nothing really to say about Robert, except that he always got beat up. And he was a very good person. I liked him.
0: So you two were dating!
4: What? N- no! Let me rephrase that. I liked him as a friend. We never dated each other. He asked me but I turned him down. Mr. Carlyle said that you two kissed. No, he kissed me. That was when he asked me out. He thought that if he made the first move, I'd say yes, but that's way too forward for me. And besides, he's only a friend. Mark probably didn't eavesdrop long enough to know that I pushed him away after I realized what he was doing.
2: Right. Okay, then. I think that's all the questions we have. Is there anything else that you should tell us?
4: Not really. But I did notice that a year after Robert was working here, bloodstains started to appear on the mat. More and more whenever I came in the next morning. They always seemed to appear overnight. I never knew what was happening, but after Robert died, no new bloodstains appeared on the mat.
0: Aren't bloodstains common for boxing? I would think that'd be a pretty dangerous sport.
4: That is correct. But, but the only people who fight in the ring are our teammates. And it's not really fighting. More just training. Blood isn't shed. You mean real fights don't happen here? Very rarely. We don't have a big enough ring for a real fight. We travel to other rings to compete there. I think the last fight we had here was over three years ago. That's all I have for pertinent
2: information. Alright. If you could tell Father Murphy to come in. Don't say anything else but to come in. That would be great. Sharon Terry leaves with footsteps.
0: That's weird that bloodstains would appear on the mat only when Summers was working here.
2: No, she said after he'd worked there a year. And it's less weird than you think.
0: So you know why bloodstains were in the ring?
2: Yes, but I'm going to save that for after we figure out the murder.
0: Fair enough, but I hope that's soon.
2: Priest Murphy comes in
7: with footsteps.
5: Good day to both of you. Um, I was summoned. Oh, yes. We wanted to ask you some questions about the murder. I'm not a suspect, am I?
2: Oh, no. We just thought that you could give us a different insight on the case. Specifically, if there's anything you can tell me about the Robert Summers' funeral, or case. The members did say that you were there as well. Anything that you can tell us about Summers and his relationships. Also, the relationships between Richson and the others would be greatly appreciated.
5: I'd be happy to. I have to tell you that I don't know any of the kids very well. I only came to bless the bodies that committed suicide so that they could pass on. I can only tell you what I noticed at the funerals and some confessions. So, I guess I'll start with Mr. Summers' funeral. Mr. Summers died last year, October 10th, 1889. I blessed him the day after and we had the funeral procession a couple of days later. At the funeral was only some other priests, the members of pugilism, and myself. I don't think he had any immediate family there. I remember Miss Terry saying that he was estranged. Everyone that was there looked quite upset over the death of Mr. Summers, and rightfully so. Although Mark and Sharon looked especially upset, I believe Sharon was crying the most. The only one who didn't seem upset was Mr. Richon. He looked like he didn't care at all, and I remember him leaving halfway through the procession.
0: That's terrible, but you said something about confessions.
5: Yes, I suppose my story about the funeral procession is done. I did have three confessions in the span of a month that concerned the death of Mr. Summers. One from Miss Smith, Mr. Carlisle... And Miss Terry.
2: Do you remember what was said?
5: Bits and pieces. I remember Miss Smith saying that she felt awful about the death of Mr. Summers. How she just wished she asked him more questions about the bruises on his face. She liked Mr. Summers and was really hurt, especially since Mr. Carlyle was his best friend. She said that she felt even more hurt since Mr. Carlyle was. Then she got angry at Mr. Richson for leaving the procession and told me to forgive her for what she was going to do and then left. Mr. Carlyle asked me to forgive him for not being a better friend to Mr. Summers. His confession was quite sad. He had no anger like Miss Smith. It was all about his shortcomings to Mr. Summers. Now, Miss Terry was a strange one. Why is that? Well, it's just that I didn't really figure that Miss Terry knew Mr. Summers any time outside of work. But she talked to me like she was his sister. She felt so much pain and was crying to me, asking me to take her away from her pain. Of course, time is the only thing that would help, but... I knew that wouldn't console her. Then about two weeks ago, she came in again about Mr. Summers.
2: So that's the strange part?
5: Yes. She said that she wished that she could see Mr. Summers again to tell him that she was sorry and that she was wanting to give him a gift for the day that he died. I don't know how that constitutes a confession, but I guess that she thought the only way to talk to him, per se, was through me and I wasn't about to turn her away.
0: Well, I don't think that's too strange. I bet the gift was flowers on his grave, and she just wanted him to definitely know that they were there. I just think it's too bad that this Richardson guy is such a snake.
2: It almost makes you want to not solve his murder, huh? But alas, justice is blind and I have a sworn duty to bring criminals to justice.
0: Aye. Well, I think that's all we need from you, Father Murphy. I don't suppose you know anything
5: else about the group, do you? Unfortunately not. I do hope I've helped. Please find the killer.
2: Will do. We will accompany you outside to the others in a moment. Father Murphy leaves with footsteps.
3: Sophie's is raining in the new year with a remodeled version of Sophie's Soap Suds. We know that a brand new year means a brand new you, but also a brand new batch of stains. Sophie's Soap Suds wants to treat you right and clean up whatever you accidentally mess up. This soap grinds the dirt and grime right out of the area and allows you to wipe it right up with no hassle. Our cleaning agent now doesn't even need to use water, so it's cleaner and less wasteful. Just spray it on the affected area and wipe it right off. It's that simple. So if you want to be cleaner this New Year, buy Sophie's Soap Suds, soap and cleaning agents. You know what to do, folks. When all
2: other soaps are duds, buy Sophie's Soap Suds.
0: So, do you know who it is?
2: I have a couple of people in mind, but I still need more to the case. Maybe if I could figure out who he met here last night or what was removed from his hands. Policewoman Sherry busts open the
7: door. Another officer is with her, with items in hand. She has a note in her hands. Chief Shepard,
3: Miss Stone, I've got news. Oh, sweet mother of mercy.
0: I think you scared Stern a bit there, Sherry. <laughs> what is it you want?
3: Oh, excuse me, ma'am, but I think I found some evidence. As I was looking through the space where Mr. Richson died, I happened to see a group of lockers with all the names of the members here. I thought to myself, maybe some clues in the case would be in the lockers. So I looked through them all. None of the lockers had anything weird in them except for a locker with Robert Summers on the front. It was jammed pretty tight and the only one with the lock on it. So I had to get the lock taken off and pry open the door. Once I opened it, I found some really strange things. A rope that was tied up as a noose, bloody men's shirts crumpled up in a bag in the corner, and these sweaty, although dried, but the smell of body odour is unmistakable, bandages with blood droplets splattered all over them. Plus, I found the suicide note in an envelope marked from Robert Summers to Sharon Terry. Chief Shepherd takes the note from Sharon and reads it.
0: "'Dear Sharon, I will miss you, but I have to do this. I thought I was going to become what I wanted, but I was lied to. All my pain and suffering to just get laughed at to my face, abused even more and left knowing that I was a pathetic person as well as gullible. I shouldn't have believed what he said, but I must go now. I can't live knowing what I've done, giving up my pride and dignity, even my soul, to obtain something that I could never reach. I don't want to live anymore.' Life was hard to begin with, but I will always love you, and I hope that we can be together again. Signed, Robert. Sad, but kind of cryptic, don't you think?
2: Oh no, Shepard. In fact, I think this has helped solve the puzzle. Let's gather the suspects, Shepard. I've just cracked the case!
7: Here we end the fourth episode of Stone Cold Mysteries with a challenge Find the Killer. Are you paying attention? Now you have all the tools you need to solve the murder. Message us on Facebook at 88.5 FM WCUG or tweet us at Cougar Radio WCUG with the killer, the motive, and the weapon. Tune in next time to hear the solution and to listen to another stone cold mystery.